University, the voice of Reichman University. From Kube to Knedelach and everything in between, with Sabrina Shantz. Hello, hello, and welcome to Kol HaSafdot. I am your host, Sabrina Shantz, and with me today in the studio is the wonderful, most glamorous and special guest today, Marie Jacobi, a very good friend. Um, so thank you for coming in uh, to the studio today. Well, it's a great honor to be chosen by you to come. <laughs> really, it is. And uh, I have a lot to say about being a grandmother. <laughs> so it, let's get started. First of all, how are you today? I'm fine, thank you. Under the circumstances. Yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, a fine is, is the, about the maximum we exactly, can be. Exactly, exactly. Um, but here, we're here to talk about our grandchildren. Yeah. And how they're connected to them. Mm-hmm. And just on, on the way here, we were talking, you were telling me about your gorgeous baby granddaughter, Emmanuel, oh. who, who you love so much. Oh, oh, she's the apple of my eye. She's, she's, so, she's so precious. There's no other word for it. And what's the feeling of becoming a grandmother? Look, actually, I have seven grandchildren. And she came after approximately eight years mm-hmm. of between the last one and her. And it's just like having the first one all over again. Mm-hmm. The same excitement and uh, having to crave her. I get cravings in the middle of the night. <laughs> I just want to go over and hug and cuddle her. And um, it's a beautiful feeling. Is, how is it different than becoming a mum? You know, when you become a mum, you have this great responsibility and great love for of a Of course, for a child. being a mum, first of all, your hands are on all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, all the responsibility is on you. Being a grandmother, you have all the fun and none of the responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a lovely feeling. It's, it's, it's much more enjoyable because... Um, of course, I do worry. Of course, uh, God forbid, if she has a fever or something mm-hmm. like that, I'm hands-on and I'm worried about her. But the actual day-to-day crying and not sleeping and uh, being cranky. You don't it, have to deal I with it. I don't have to deal <laughs> with that. So when I see her, it's like total bliss. Wow. Okay, so we'll get back to being a grandma soon. But now if we just tell our listeners who you are, in, in, we, we're not going to go through your whole life story because you've been in many, many different places. But in short, where were you born? I was born in uh, Bombay in India, mm-hmm. but I was just born there. I'm not Indian. Your parents were in passing. They were in passing. Uh, they're from Iran. And I am a Jewish, Iranian, Israeli person okay that's how I see myself okay and so even though you spent a very short period of of your life in India and then you spent your childhood where Uh, in London and then in Germany Mm -hmm. and then how so how what brought you to Israel Um, marriage because I was living in Germany where in Germany in Hamburg very beautiful place I I suggest that if you haven't been there, you should go and visit it. I haven't been. It's very beautiful. Anyway, I was—I grew up there in a very nice uh, Jewish Persian community. 
And uh, as it happens for most European Jews, it's very difficult to get married there because you don't have a large variety of people your own age mm-hmm. that you can connect to. So um, what they usually did was they send all the youngsters to a different country where they could meet each other. Mm-hmm. But in my case, it wasn't that. We would come to Israel um, every year and I had a beautiful experience when I was three years old with my husband of today. <laughs> he was seven and I was three and he was related to my mother. And we stayed, the whole family stayed over at their place for a weekend. And I was sure I'm going to marry him. And he was sure he was going to marry me, even though I lived in England and Germany and he lived in Israel. But we had the same feeling that we would get married one day. And when I came to Israel and I met him every year, the feeling got it intensified it intensified and uh, at the end you know we we got engaged and we got married and wow. we came to israel and built a family i have three children i had two daughters at the beginning what are their names limor and natalie and um, there was only nine months between them wow so it was a handful and after like 12 years i had my son daniel mm mm-hmm. And uh, so what was it like to get married? How old were you when you got married? 21. Okay, so you're 21 and you moved to a new country. You may have been to Israel on visits many times, but it's totally different to live here, be married and then have children and start raising them. What's it like? You know, you're without your mom and your, you know, your, your support system. Very, very difficult. But that's, that's something that made me and my husband even more Um, attached to each other because mm-hmm. we had each other. Um, whilst other mothers had their moms coming over and their sisters and their brothers and their school friends, they all came over in the afternoons and I had nobody coming over. Mm-hmm. So I took a, a, a girl. A babysitter. A babysitter who came in and... Uh, We were with the kids together. We, we And were you everything. close with your in-laws? Yes, I was very close with them. But, you know, they had their own thing going on also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but eventually, Israel became my home, my true home, which I feel in my, in my heart, in my gut. This is, this is the place that I feel at home in. Mm-hmm. And do you think, um, I just think of, it's, it's a... It's such a your your life story on the one hand is so interesting you've lived in so many countries and you've been on these journeys on the other hand it's such a it's so jewish this you know moving from place to place i interviewed my grandma recently and she uh there were nine kids living in lebanon and they also understood that you know to that many of them were daughters they also understood that the, there's a huge challenge to find enough husbands for all of them so they sent two of the daughters to turkey to an aunt there you know find them husbands and they found Turkish husbands and they ended up living there and, and raising their families there. And I think that's, you know, your story as well is one that that um, 
is is a really typically Jewish story of being who you are in so many different places. And I love the way that even though you were born in India, spent time in England and in Germany, you speak English with a perfect English accent. The way you identify yourself is Persian because that's your your roots, Jewish because that's your identity and Israeli because that's the identity that you assumed for yourself, you know, when you when you got married, when you made that bold choice. Um, so it's just interesting to think of, of how we identify ourselves, even though you could say, well, I'm Indian or I have, you know, I'm British or German, but... Uh, no, no, this is exactly, that, that's what I feel like. I feel, actually, my Persian roots are very, very um, strong. Mm -hmm. And at home I cook uh, Persian food. Who taught you how to cook? Um, well, when we were in Germany, we were in a Persian Jewish community, and there I saw this the mounds of rice and <laughs> and delicious um, stews and uh, the, the the beautiful way they were served, and I knew that I had to learn how to make that food. So my mother taught me, and uh, you know, I think probably most of our listeners haven't you know, tried your food, but I've tried your food on many occasions and it is something else. First of all, it's beautifully presented. I mean, it, each dish looks like you don't even want to touch it because it's it's decorated so beautifully. And, and it's just one dish is more delicious than the next. And uh, I think you do a great service to Persian cooking and making it, uh, you know, sharing your recipes and, and your cooking with so many people. Thank you. I thank you very much. I do my best. I really love to cook and Persian food is my passion and to decorate it is even a bigger passion because I'm all for presentation. Presentation is everything. You know, when you see something beautifully done, you invite the person to come and try it and uh, it can be really delicious and it's not presented well, you can put them off. So, and that's how I go to my grandchildren's hearts through cooking, yeah. I cook for them. And I love it when they compliment me and when they tell me how delicious everything is. And I really feel elevated when, when I see them really tucking in. Mm -hmm. It's a great feeling, it's really great. And um, I get special orders from them and they call me and ask me, can you make me this? What, what do they ask you for? Uh, There's the specialty dishes that I make. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the Chinese food that I make that they Ooh. adore. Yes, okay. they love the Chinese and they love the Persian cooking and they love the pasta that I make. And um, mostly they really, really, really love these uh, meatballs, fried meatballs mm -hmm. that I make, which I will give you the recipe for because I think that every grandma should have that in her in, in her, her arsenal of recipes. Arsenal of recipes, okay. yes, exactly. So we'll soon, soon we'll get to the recipe for the, these uh, famous meatballs. And I was going to ask you, why, why do you love cooking? Even though you kind of answered it, but what, what's the, what gets you into the kitchen? This feeling of um, making everybody happy. I think food is, a, is the main cause of happiness. I know there are other things, music and um, many other things, but food, I think food really, when you give somebody food and you give them good food, you're touching their hearts and you're making them happy. 
And that's what I love to do. I love to make people happy. Wow, that's a beautiful answer. Do you cook in the morning? In the, like I know my grandma, she wakes up in the morning and she's in the morning, in, she's in the kitchen in the morning and by 11, the kitchen is clean and closed and it's, you know, she's no longer cooking. No. Um, today, at my age, I don't cook every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the kids over the weekends. So my main cooking is starting on Thursday and Friday. And... Uh, Wednesday is the shopping day. Okay. And all day Thursday and Friday I'm cooking. So it's a it's a marathon. Yes. But I cook together with my husband. Wow. Yes. We do it together. We put on some music. What music do you listen to? Um all sorts. My husband loves Israeli music, so he puts on the Israeli music. Mm-hmm. Um and we listen to uh beautiful music and he cuts and I cook. And so there's a clear division. Like he doesn't, he doesn't step into your territory. No, 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 no. He he's has, the sous chef. He's a sous chef, um, but he does his job very well. We do actually, we do everything together. This has been our life. Um, we work together. We look after the grandkids together. Uh, I can say that mainly we do everything together. So why shouldn't we cook together? So cooking is like it's a it's an activity that you both enjoy doing, especially now that the grandkids are, are on the re- receiving end. Very much, very much. And could you give a, a marriage tip? Because I think a lot of people say I could never work with my husband, or you know we could never, uh, you know, spend so much time together. I think today everyone's focused on having their own thing, and you know, but you you have a successful partnership where you work together and enjoy time to, spending time together. You know, could you give a tip? <sighs> what can I say? It's not easy. Mm-hmm. It's not an easy thing to work together. But if you can show respect to each other, respect each other and their decisions, then you're on the right track. Unfortunately, it doesn't always happen mm-hmm. because, you know, each one of us has our own ideas and uh, we try to push our ideas forward. But if we give us each other the space to do the thing the way we see it, way we want to do it I think that's the best option um it doesn't always work do you think you're better at giving each other the space now than let's say 10 or 20 years ago oh definitely but it's still hard it's still hard it's still hard but at that time it was even harder because um we were younger we had more strengths to fight and today we you know we've mellowed mm-hmm. we've mellowed so we give each other a break once in a while Um, but the great part is, you know, we, we go through the challenges together and then we have our meals together. Um, it's a, it's a lovely feeling, you know, coming back from work and saying, okay, what are we going to eat now? <sighs> shall we go and, uh, prepare something at home or shall we stop by and have, uh, uh, pizza with something? Okay. So what's your, what's your go-to at home dinner? Like that you, you know, you've been out working the whole day, the two of you come home. It's seven o'clock and you want to have some dinner. What will you make? I'll make Chinese. Like noodles or rice? Rice. I make rice and then I make um, uh, chicken breast with uh, vegetables, uh, mm. Chinese like style. Like a stir fry? A stir fry. Wow. And it's very easy and it's, it's, it's 
you can do it in half an hour and uh and the smell is amazing <laughs> so it's it's a good thing to go to well marie i think i've only tried your persian food but now i want to try <laughs> your chinese food too i'm famous for my chinese and where so where did you pick up the these recipes for chinese food you know it's all over you know you yeah television recipe yes, books yes yes i think when i first came to israel it was the era of china in mm-hmm. israel they opened so many chinese restaurants and i was open to trying trying them out and it, what i usually do when i try something and i like it i learn how to make it mm-hmm. and then i make it mine i put a twist to it and then it's it's all mine so what are could you say like if someone is maybe not such a great cook or they're just beginning what are let's say three or four spices that they should have at home that can elevate or it could be a sauce that can elevate any dish it could be persian or chinese but what flavors do you um, like to if add if you're making meat yeah. and you're making a stew i would say turmeric mhm because it gives lovely color salt pepper and cinnamon because the cinnamon takes away a bit of the smell of the meat Mm. It it it's very good for the aroma and uh that's for meat. Um for rice I would say saffron. Yeah, I was going to say your your, your <laughs> saffron rice is uh is famous. Just just to just to put in a little bit of saffron in uh boiling water and add some rice, cooked rice to it and then you decorate that on top of the white rice mm-hmm. and then you have a, a specialty dish and I think the Persians they call it jeweled rice jeweled rice now the jeweled rice is mainly um how do you say it in persian um oh, i've stumped you <laughs> I, i i can't you know i can't we'll have remember. to look it up later I'll, i'll look it up i'll look it up uh but the jeweled rice is the rice with the with the carrots and the um raisins mm-hmm. and uh we have another kind that we make with um uh orange peel mm. which is delicious with pistachios and uh, almonds uh it's also delicious uh jewel that you put on top of the saffron and that's very very sweet and you do that on special occasions you know mm. engagements weddings yeah. and things like that but um cooking is a great it's a great deal of fun it's a great deal of fun i also i love the kitchen i now you know i have a, a quite a small kitchen and i have two young kids and they don't always eat like and meals are messy and and i have this vision of being able to cook like a really nice dinner every night but it, it's so far from reality but i do really enjoy my time in the kitchen and i do enjoy um discovering new recipes discovering tricks and and I love to hear how different cultures cook different food uh if we think if we take rice for example it's such a staple in so many cultures and each country each you know they all cook it differently and I married to to someone persian so I've learned the persian way of cooking rice and but it's different from the iraqi way or the lebanese way and um which are you know my roots and and I think food is it is what you said sometimes we try to downplay it and we say oh it's just a bit of food but so much of joy and so much of our time and so much of how we experience life is through our taste buds and through the mouth and uh and I think you're a great example of celebrating food shamelessly you you know you say I'm I'm going to make this plate beautiful because we all deserve to eat you know some beautiful food and uh 
exactly, exactly. For instance, a while ago, a very dear friend of mine, you might know him, Charles Zalouf, had a birthday. <laughs> and um, I said, what do you give a guy that has everything? And I said, you know what, I'm inviting him for a very special dinner. And I had them over, your mom and your dad. Mm-hmm. And I really went all the way. And to see the joy on his face when he saw the cake I made, uh, I had decorated with petals of, of roses. Wow. And uh, I still have the photographs. I think in all, in all of my dad's years of having birthday cakes, no one ever decorated him a birthday cake with rose <laughs> petals, that's for sure. I did that. And I, I remember them really, really, really enjoying that. And that gave me so much pleasure. That really, that gave me a lot of pressure. And look, you pleasure. remember it and you're yes. telling the story. It's true. It's, yes. look, it's an experience and a memory and, and it's giving. I think giving is so important and to give through food is really amazing. It is. It um, is. Something that is also similar to how you address food and its beauty and, as you said, aesthetics is also yourself. You know, I've known you for many, many years and you're always put together. You're one of the most stylish women I know and you just take great care of yourself. But I, for example, I'm sometimes so lazy in the mornings and I just want to wear, you know, leggings and a T-shirt or whatever. What's a tip you could give women who just how to maybe just feel more put together in the mornings if they've got, you know, just they need to rush out the house with young kids or, you know. Have very nice, um, comfortable clothes around. You don't have to wear uh, a tight skirt or uh, a button down blouse. Mm-hmm. Just make sure that the the comfortable clothes you have are nice. Okay. And that's that's the whole thing. You just slip it on and you look nice. And you always feel comfortable. Yeah, you feel comfortable in them. There's an age for everything. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of my life, I wasn't so put together. I tried to be because that's me. But I wasn't because it's like you say, you have two little kids at home and you have to get them ready. You don't mm-hmm. have that much time for yourself. Um, and then when I met you, that was another stage in my life where, where you were, the kids you had, had the grown time. up and I had the time to, to look after myself and to dress better and to uh, organize myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the advice. Always have very nice day-to-day clothes. Okay. That's, that's the... <laughs> I'll, I'll keep this tip in mind. Um So we've spoken about your cooking and your love for cooking and your tips in the kitchen. Uh, and we've spoken about your kids. I want to go back when, we're, you know, we're out of order here, but I want to go back to when you were a child. Um, can you share a food memory with us, something that your mum would make that you'd say, I wish I could go back to that moment and have her make that for me today? I, as a child... Um, My family went through a difficult time. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a difficult time that my father was living in a different country and we were living in a different country because he had to go and work there. Mm-hmm. And um, the comfort I got was my mother's cooking and she was the best, best cook ever. And I remember that she used to make a stew with potatoes and chicken mm-hmm. and tomato sauce and baked beans. Wow. She'd add baked beans and she'd make it really, really spicy. 
like Indian spicy. <laughs> She'd put all, all the Indian um, ingredients in the curry and the chili powder and the kamun. And uh, she would serve this to us over rice. And I think that was the most comforting food ever. And sometimes I dream about her cooking that for me again. Do you want to hear something funny? That I asked my grandma the, the same question. I said, what's a food memory from your childhood that you'd love to try again? And she described almost the exact same meal. Except it wasn't with chicken, it was with meat. But this idea of meat with beans in a tomato sauce over rice. She said it, they used to have it every Friday as lunch before Shabbat dinner. And it was the most comforting meal. And I think, you know, it still exists today in many cultures that they'll have this. And I think there's something so comforting and warm it's like a hug you know a, that stew with rice exactly. is really like a hug exactly um it's, would you make it today for your kids i do i make it but the problem is today each grandchild has something that he doesn't like in the mm. stew one doesn't like the baked beans but if i make it without the baked beans they all love it okay they'll all have it but then there are some that love it with the baked beans so I have to see how I'm going to deal with that. Okay. Um, interesting. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll make that this week, some version of it, my own. Um, so, wow, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just, my mouth is watering just thinking about, <laughs> about these, uh, these delicious meals. I have to have you over. <laughs> to be honest, I, have, I, I really think that almost all of the meals that I, I have real memories from the last, I don't know, I've known you for like maybe 15 years. I've, I think I remember every single meal of yours that I've had. I remember, you know, even just a finely chopped salad that was the yummiest salad that I've had and your kebabs and your rice and your everything. It's all oh. just, just delicious. Your cake, all of it. You're so um, kind, darling. You're really kind. No, you're just, you're very, very talented. And I think you give from your heart through your food. And that's uh, something that anyone who eats your food will feel. Um... Okay, we're coming towards, you know, towards the end and you, you, uh, you promised that you would give us the recipe for these meatballs. So tell us how you make them and, and get, make sure that you don't miss out on any important details so that they'll come out just as delicious. Okay. You need half a kilo of ground meat. It should be shoulder meat. Okay. That's beef. beef. Red meat. Yes. Yeah. Shoulder. And... Um, for that half a kilo, you need two onions and one big potato, uh, one very big potato. Okay. Um, two little onions and one big potato. I would say that if the potatoes aren't that big, you should use two, two. potatoes. Um, one egg and um, breadcrumbs. You mix them together. But you the potato is... Is cooked? It's or? not cooked. You you mince the you mince the potatoes and the onions. Okay, in the magic mix. In the magic mix, you add it to the meat. Uh, you add the egg. You use cinnamon, black pepper, and salt. Mm -hmm. um, you have to, you know, it depends on you how much you think you can take. How much? How much salt? Pepper? Yeah. And then you mix it all together. And then in a skillet, you heat oil. And you you can either make round 
little patties or you can make long ones. So either like a burger or like a kebab. Yeah. But it should it should be more if it's round it should be more round like a, not, a not meatball flat, okay. not flat like a, a hamburger burger. okay it should be round um, you fry it and then you close your eyes and in five minutes it's not going to be there anymore wow <laughs> so you just make half a kilo would you double the recipe or it's not the same no I'm I'm giving you the half kilo version okay. I do I do one kilo because okay. I have a lot of grandchildren that come over but half a kilo is enough you know if you have a Two three children, it's it's enough. And that you just you just serve it with rice and salad, like not not in a sauce. You can, you can serve it in a sauce, but I I serve it like this. If they eat it like it's wow. uh, hotcakes, wow. they don't even put it in bread. They some some of the grandkids use um, ketchup. They eat it okay, with ketchup, yeah. but the others they just Sounds devour delicious. it like this, and it's it's gone in in seconds. Delicious, and it's also very good cold. Okay, so you can put them in the fridge and eat yes, them the next day. Exactly. If there are any left over. Exactly. <laughs> and the original name for them yeah. is Gontave. Gontave. Yes. What does it mean? It's um uh Tave is a skillet mm-hmm. and uh, gon is the little gondis that you make mm-hmm. you, uh, you fry them. Ah. So it's Gontave. Okay. It's It's made in a skillet. The gondis are made in a skillet. Okay. And uh, it's really, really, really delicious. And it's gone in minutes. You know, I first of all, those sound delicious. I think I, I have tried them actually once when I came to your house for dinner. And you know what recipe of yours I use and I tell a I tell other people about it is your roast chicken. Oh. <laughs> you know what I call it? I call it magic chicken. Oh wow. Can you tell people how you make this magic chicken? Okay. And maybe it's a state secret. Maybe we no. need maybe we need people to sign before uh, no. they No, <laughs> I, I I love to give uh, everybody the opportunity to make delicious food. That's mm-hmm. that's a pleasure to do that. It's very funny because whenever I make this chicken, people think what did she put on it and the whole thing is nothing nothing you just take a chicken you wash it you pat it dry and then you put it on a on a tray yeah in a heated oven 250 i put i put it on 180 that's that's what the tip that that's when i heard this recipe but maybe two You put it on 250? Yes. Celsius? At the beginning, yes. Okay. I put it on 250 at the beginning just for it to get a really nice scorch. Okay. And then I bring it down to 180. Okay, for how and long? And then for a long time, for two hours, two and a half hours. And the meat itself gives off all the flavors, all the caramelized flavors yeah. that if you put... Um, Uh, spices on you won't get that so I, I I this is the kind of recipe I think if anyone listens to this you you have to try this and I make this at least once a month it's the yummiest roast chicken you will ever try and you literally you don't put salt no oil no pepper no spices no nothing you just take a whole chicken from the butcher from the supermarket and you just put it in the oven i don't even put it at 250 at the beginning i put it in at 180 for two and a half hours and it is so soft so tasty it's salty like it really it is, is. it is and it's the perfect perfect meat sometimes i'll put potatoes around and then they soak up the flavor or i'll put it you know then i take it off the bone and you can have it in a salad or with rice or in a sandwich 
I really think it is magic chicken because you. I see all these roast chicken recipes and I say they look amazing, but they will not come close to the flavor that you get <laughs> off this magic chicken. And it's the perfect, perfect recipe for, for young mums who, because I don't think any kids will not like this chicken. It's, it's just so tasty and uh, it's zero effort. You literally just take the chicken and put it in the oven and that's it. I've handed over this... Um, uh this part of my cooking to Natalie, my daughter, mm-hmm. who does it very, very deliciously. And I can give you another tip. Yes. If you buy an organic chicken, yeah. it's 10 times better. Really? Yes. Okay. Organic. Okay, I'm going to try that. Try it with an organic. You'll see that it's like 10 times better than a regular chicken. And do you know what I do? I roast, I put the breast down. Yes. Because sometimes people roast the breast on the top. But if you put the breast on the bottom, it soaks up all the right. juices and it becomes... Because chicken breast can be so dry and it's so soft right, this way. Right. Um, so I really hope that someone will, will try this recipe and let us know how it comes out. So unfortunately, we've come to the end of our time. Um, but is there, is there any message that you want to share with our listeners? Something that you want to say? It could be about just about you, about your family, about your journey. Family is everything. Mm-hmm. Cherish them. Invite them make a fuss over them and food is the best tip I can give you for giving pleasure to your family food 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 and even if you don't cook go buy some delicious things from outside Mm -hmm. it can be cheese and crackers and fruit it can be pizza it could be anything hummus trina Try it out. I'm sure you're going to find that it's magical. It brings everybody together. It's so true. Food is your love language. Exactly. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. I'm so hungry now just from speaking <laughs> about all this food. Now we need to go and have some lunch. Um, and uh, yeah, it was great speaking to you. Thank you for having me, Sabrina. It was a pleasure being here. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Call us after. From Kube to Knederlach and everything in between. With Sabrina Shantz. All our shows and podcasts available online on our website and on all podcast platforms. Search Audioversity. Call Universita.